Father, we honor you this morning. Bless you. Thank you, our living Father in heaven. We bring our songs to you. We say that accept them. We glorify you. You who inhabit the praises, the worship of your people. Let, it, let our songs arise to you as a sweet, smelling sour an aroma that your heart will delight in this morning. Of course, we bring not just our songs, we bring our hearts, the depths of our hearts, Lord, to, to you, our Father. We pray, Lord, that you will be pleased with us this morning. Lord, we ask for your mercy the mercy of your heart for this time to that will cause your, you to think favorably about us that will commit you to giving us your precious things that will allow your thoughts Lord to flow to us to our hearts to bless us this morning we we come under the atmosphere, under the spirit. We come in subjection, subjection even to the to the Father of spirits. This morning, thank you for the Holy Word. Thank you for the Holy Word, Ferencopana to see her. Even as Tasso, thank you for the word from from which you the separated word, the word of sanctification. Jesus, you said, pray to the Father, sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word, the word is truth. It takes your word to sanctify, sanctify our heart, to deal with errors and all things that are not in alignment with your life, with your light, with your grace, with your glory. Help us, Lord, to um, to come, Lord, and allow your word to make that connection in the spirit to illuminate your you afresh before us, that your fear might be in us, that you will be our our dread, that says sanctify the Lord God in your heart to for that the Lord in the spirit be sanctified in our heart that his, his hope will arise the hope the hope in his face his countenance will arise as, uh, within us which, which word which word would do well do well to heed unto as a light that not shine in a dark place until the day will dawn and the day star will arise arise in our hearts fatos no meritas so deliver our hearts to men to help us to take heed fatos to take heed to the light that shines in the dark light the light that shines in the dark, in the light of Christ, 
the light that shines in the in the darkness, the light that shines in darkness, to foresee the mortar, take heed, help our soul to take heed. I want to take heed this morning. I want to take heed to men our son to to sit again under the Lord and to perceive the sour, the aroma of your house, the perfume of your house, to, to inquire in your temple, to behold the beauty, beauty, beauty of the Lord, beautiful. Come and be beautiful and now meet and be beautify yourself, the messenger of the covenant, the purifier of, of the priests of God, the priest, purify, purify, purifenato, feratosia, the via, the pano, adios, the bon, banohatas, elatifada, even a flame you up, even to flame you up, to make you flame, to find a bone, Born among us, born among us, shine among us, shine among us, born among us. Father, so neither I be the Colon, even though you see out in a whole year for the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord, even a Lord, even a Lord of an odious and higher and a mossier, Amen. The cost even not here. Come to you into your holy temple, stand and Minister, share the bread, break the bread, give the bread, give the illumination, the sevenness, even a sight, the sight of sanctification. Sanctify them to sanctify us by thy truth. O Holy One, O Holy One, Holy One, Holy One, Holy One, Holy One, High Priest of High Priest of Anas, High Priest, High Priest, Minister. The minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, of the true tabernacle which God pitched and not man. Minister, minister, minister Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Loreste ante eli presta. Eli minia halta. Lavanonsa ibrihetosi. Fren ovenas. If in the heavens. The king, the priest, the high priest of seraphims, Seraphano, 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 Sirianto, Fanaita, Avanahatas, Avanasasaurus, Avanataban, Horabana, Batana Banada, Abatas, the master, the baptizer, the baptizer, the baptizer, the baptizer with fire, with the spirit. The spirit of holiness, the spirit of holiness, of holiness, of holiness, of holiness, spirit of holiness, baptized with the spirit to make, to make holy, to make holy, to make separate, to make holy and separate, to bana sona, to masona. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We welcome your utterance, your ministry, your grace, your wisdom here. Oh, high priest of good things to come. Come and bless us this morning. I submit my heart to you. I give myself to you. Oh, me, Hannah, see that I to the priest. First priest. 
first priest, priest the king, the king and the priest, the priest and the king, the first Yeshua, 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 first, first by interpretation, king of righteousness, the king of Salem, the king of peace, priest of the most high God, Jesus, Jesus, we honor you, minister, bless our hearts, thank you, our Father, we give glory to your holy name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. hallelujah, glory to God, amen, hallelujah, amen, praise God. Let's open our Bibles. Let's see Hebrews. Hmm. Mercy. Thank you, Jesus. chapter 9 holy thank you for say so but Christ being come and I priest verse 11 amen. amen but Christ being come and an high priest of good things to come Praise Jesus by a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, but that is to say, not of this building. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, the, the praise God in my Bible, verse 11. That word building. He calls, it, he calls it creation. And so not of this creation. Hallelujah. Um, of course, we know Christ is a new, new creation or, or a new creature. Praise God. And Christ being come and an high priest of good things to come by a greater and a, a more perfect word, tabernacle. Hallelujah. Not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. So you can see that the, um, the, the goodness and um, the goodness of the things which are to come. You cannot separate the, the quality of the things which are to come from the quality of the tabernacle, right? He says that um, Christ being come and high priest of good things toward, to come by, it's by. So it is clear the bringing in of these things is by a greater. So good things to come is 
not good according to the present, right? According to that which is to come. Uh, but the bringing of these things is, is according to a tabernacle, a particular tabernacle that is, it says it's not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Um, so when they say not made with hands, it's, now you can say, okay, it's just talking about physical things, that it's not of the physical. But this hand here is, is in contrast to the, to the, the face of God, which is another way that God makes things. God, God makes things. God can make things with his hand, and God can make things with his face. Now, of course, we, by faith we know, um, Hebrews 11 was teaching us that by faith we know that though what we understand, they say by faith, we understand Hebrews 11, verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made, were not made of things which, would, which do appear. So the things which are, which are seen, which include the physical things, that all of those things by, that in the, in the cause of faith, in the kind of understanding which faith gives us, we are able to understand that things, the walls are framed, so all the walls which appear, which we see, and which we don't see, they are all framed by the word, by the word of God. So, that, so it, that means that when the Bible speaks about the hands, we know um, in the book of um, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66, very quickly, Isaiah 66, amen. He says, thus saith the Lord, uh, the heaven is my throne. So, so he's including the heaven, right? And the earth is my footstool. Then he says, where is the house that you build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? So he's asking about house that um, this is actually a task that has been given to man for man to sort of prepare a kind of uh, habitation for himself. You can just, this is a settled thing about the Bible. You can see it right from the time of when God called Abraham, right? At the end of, when you really deduce the journey of the physical Israel, is really to arrive at a particular land in a region and to raise a temple and to institute worship for the Lord. That was the end destination. And until that is done, they got to the land. After getting to the land, that was not the end. They had to fight all the wars. After fighting all the wars, God won wars through David. That was in the end. David knew it's time to build. God said, you can't build. You have to wait for your son. Praise Jesus. So you saw that when every time that God's glory came down in terms of the, the, the manifest glory 
of God, it was always connected to something that was built for him. Do you see that? Praise Jesus. Um, it was, of course, we came on the mountain, but that was not coming to the people. First time he came to the people was in the wilderness when the tabernacle was built. Then later when Solomon built the temple, the house was filled with glory. Amen. Well, the house was what? Filled with glory. And, and God started prophesying about the house. God had something inside the heart of God to, to find houses or to find places where he will feel with himself or feel with what? So in other words, looking for building that can accommodate his glory. Even after the, the building of Solomon was destroyed, and the people went to exile, after a while, sorry, they went to Babylon, the Lord brought them back again, right? And he brought another season of building again. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. When in, in the book of, um, um, see Haggai, let's see, where the Lord was saying, stating his intention for, for the house which they were supposed to build. Haggai chapter two, verse one, it says, in the seventh month, and in the one and twelfth day of the month came the word of the Lord by the prophet who Haggai saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the rest of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Amen. So, so there is the, the first glory of the house. This first glory is the, was the glory that came on the house which Solomon built. Right? But which that house was torn down. And he says, Now, how do you see it now? But it's, it's not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing. Right? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as nothing? He says, Now, but. Yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord, and walk. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit, what? Remaineth among you. Fear ye not. So he's making reference to that time when he brought them out of Egypt. Right? I said, since that time, my word, my spirit has remained. I mean, the whole time when they were misbehaving in the wilderness, when God helped every time, he said, the spirit was remaining among you, so fear ye not. And of course, the, the reason for the spirit being there, you know, we, now re we realize that is for the house. It's for what? It's for building. And actually, the spirit has been on the earth since Genesis chapter one. And the intention of the spirit since Genesis 
he still has that, um, that desire. He has the, there is actually a mandate of the spirit, which the spirit has had right from the beginning. It's a mandate that can never change. It's just going to keep, it's just going to remain on the earth until that mandate is fulfilled. Praise Jesus. And the, oh, God has used the spirit in different ways. God used the spirit so the earth was without form and was void, right? And the spirit of God was moving upon the face of the waters and then God began to speak, let there be light, so on and so forth, right? And that spirit was involved in everything, all the craft of his hand, and the moving of his breath into Adam, raising of the living soul. Everything, the spirit of God has been present since. Praise God. And the final time when the, the spirit of God will remain on the earth until it's able to produce the, the final fulfillment, which is the call, that Maranatha call, which we see at the end of the Bible. Right, in Revelation 22, at the end of the Bible, you saw the spirit and the bride calling, saying, come, even so come, glory to Jesus. So the spirit and the bride say, come, let him that hear us say, come, let him that disappears, come, so we'll let him take of the water of life freely. So the, 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 it's clear that the, the spirit has a mandate concerning God's habitation, concerning God's word, habitation, the, the, the spirit is actually the administrator. The spirit is the, is the administrator, is the builder, he's been given the mandate, he's been given the blueprint and be given everything, all when he has to do with resources, right? And the, the craft, the workmanship that has to do with building the habitation of God, that is actually the mandate of the spirit. That's why the spirit will be attached to the bride. Uh, you see that? Glory to Jesus. And after a while, their call will become one. Are you seeing them? So the, and eventually, if you want to, the spirit is the one who will, he will raise the house. He will keep, the, he knows where the house is kept because the house will be in himself. He will, he will, the house he will build, he will hide it in himself. Everything about the house will be in him, such that if you need to see the house, they must carry you away in the spirit, right? That was what we saw in Revelation. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. I Means only the spirit knows where he kept the house. Praise Jesus. The, I mean, the land of the house is in the spirit. The materials are spiritually resourced. The wisdom for the house is in the spirit. Everything about the spirit. When God wants looking for his house, he has to query the spirit and say, spirit, where is my house? Then the Holy Spirit knows where the house is. Glory to God. So it is very clear that the bride who will be married to the Lord and who by extension will be married to God will be a woman who is hidden in the spirit. Right? It will be a woman who the spirit has taken, the spirit has received, whom to be a woman who has found a way to enter inside the spirit. Glory to Jesus. Yeah. And in the spirit you have, in there she will have her provision, she will have her, her, her land, she has her kingdom, she has her dominion, 
She has her life. Everything is kept in where? In the spirit. Praise Jesus. So, so the spirit of God has been around and making reference to, to the spirit here. Um, he's saying that, where was I reading verse? Um, verse 5, praise God. Um, Haggai chapter 2, verse 5. It says, according to the word I command, covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will do what? Shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And then I will do what? I will fill this house with what? Glory, saith the Lord of hosts. said, I will do what? I will fill this house with who? With glory, amen. God desires to, to fill, he's looking for a house, amen that he will what? Feel. He's looking for a house that can carry his glory, that can be filled with glory. So first of all, in order to build a, such a house, the Spirit of God has to, had to be at work to raise um, a person, uh, a prototype, right? Because before you build, you have to build a prototype first. So Hebrews chapter nine, um, they were speaking about this um, man, first of all, Christ, amen. Um, verse 11 says, but Christ being come, an high priest of what? Of good things to come, by a greater and a more what? A more perfect tabernacle that is not made with hands, right? So we went to Isaiah 66, and he was saying, where is the place that you will build unto me? He said that of all these things, verse two, for all those things had mine hand made, and all those things have been, said the Lord. He said, but to this man will I then look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and then what? trembles at my word. So he's contrasting the things which is handmade with what he's looking for, all right, or what he will, he will begin to look at, which has to do with the, when he begins to bring his face, right, and what will his face be set upon. It's clear that what God is doing with his hand and what his face is looking at are not the same. God can be doing something here, but he's looking somewhere else, like his face. He's looking at something else, right? And so the fact that you can perceive the hand of God at work, and evidently this is God's hand working, the fact that God's hand is doing something doesn't mean he's looking at what his hand is doing. That God's, God's whole face can be fixed on something else, why he's been working. It's clear God was working for centuries. He just kept working and doing things with his hands. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And then he spun out works of his hands and those works kept going on. But his face was not to bring the face of God. The word face just means 
It means a genuine interest, right? It means like an actual um, interest. When you give your face to something, that means that this thing actually calls my interest, right? It, it calls. It's not easy to get the interest of God. You can cry and say, God, admit my knees, I want this, and God will to come easily. But God can do something that he's not really interested in because he has children who can, he has committed part of himself to them, right? To keep you around him, he will just commission, okay, that's fine. But it might not touch the actual interest of God. When you begin to read the Bible, Praise God, and you begin to then, you find that there are many things in the Bible, praise God, but if you want to, it's not that easy, you need help to be able to trace the interest of God in the scripture, right? You begin to trace what, what the Bible calls it, the face of God, right? God came, God actually brought his face in the beginning, right? He, after he, he set the works of his hands, he set the atmosphere, he set the stage, he set the environment, put man in the garden. Among the man himself was a work of his hand, and he put him in the garden. But God said, that's not okay. I'm gonna now bring my face, which is, he calls it my own presence, and I will, I will put it around man, right? I will, I will surround man with my presence, his for so that man can begin to have a perception of his elevation, right? That God created man, Genesis, that was the Genesis of man. Man was supposed to perceive something that is higher than the works of God's hands, which God has dressed the earth with. And that was the, the goal for the presence. The presence of God is an inducer. The presence of God is is, is uh, when God makes his presence to be manifest, is actually a, a kind of merciful manifestation, right? It's for a call, it's to pull man. The purpose of God's presence is for elevation. It's for elevation, it's, to, it's for uh, God's presence, when he, bring, when he lowers his presence, is to call the soul of man to, to, to take a leap can you move out of the things which my hand created? And can you have a leap into and begin to interact and begin to deal with things that have to do with my own intention? That's what you find. When you get to the presence of God, what you find in the presence of God is the will of God. Do you see that? God's will does not travel outside his presence. Rather, you must journey to his presence to find out his will. His actual will, like you say, ah, ah, this, someone is, this is a message from so so and so. You really you check it, it's his handwriting, he wrote it with his hand. He sent a message, he relayed it to you, and well, ah, but you are not really sure. Is that a way, can I see him? Can I talk face to face? There's a kind of assurance you get when you're speaking with somebody and they tell you from their face, they, through their face, they can bring a, a kind of thing that is an, a, a real exactness of the being. That's the thing with face. 
is that faith is the instrument with which truth is communicated. That there is no, you cannot have an assurance of truth without the engagement of the face of God. In other words, God's exactness is in his face. If you don't see the face of God, you will not be able to, you will not be able to receive things that are true pertaining to him. Praise Jesus. So um, God, that, that thing called the presence of God or what you call the face of God, you saw it in the beginning then men began to leave and depart from it because men began to be seduced by other things. Then after some time, that thing called the presence was, became very, very rare on the earth. And God now said, I'm not gonna, my presence is not something that all men will have, but rather I will, I will look for specific people to commit to them that, that in a secret way, I will commit to them the secret of my actual will. Amen. Amen. You can see, God can, in a whole generation, God can close up his will and hide it. And he's not interested in showing it. There will be Christians, they will pray, they will fast, they will do all manner of things, and all can, and, and God will just keep his will. And he will just say, you will do many things, but when it comes to what I'm actually thinking, you will never know what I'm thinking. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So um, the thing is, we have to know that the fact that you can you can see signs of God's activities doesn't mean that you have, have an encounter with what his will is. What is God really about? What does he really want to do? What is he really thinking? Praise Jesus. The will of God is a privilege. It's not just a privilege, it's a high privilege. It's a privilege of mercy that is actually there's actually nothing any man can do to gain a right to the will of God. Rather, God must have mercy upon the soul and say that I will have my mercy. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. This was the conversation with, with who? With um, Moses, Exodus 33, right? You see the same, Jesus, the Lord was explaining the entire concept about the, the rules about his face to Moses. Because Moses began to ask about it. God, I've been with you for so long, I've been with you, but I know you've, I've, had, enough, I've had enough training, right? Imagine Moses having God's presence, dealing with him in different ways. The first time he saw it was burning bush. He said he looked and then a bush was burning and was not being consumed. So what is the meaning of this? Like a sign. And then he heard a voice saying, take off your shoes for that the place where you what? Stand is what. So it's clear that they, they, they had the, the Lord, the presence came and, and God, don't limit God. God can bring his, he can manifest his presence in any way. In entering, the, the physical world is just a playground for God. He made it. If God wants, he can, he can manifest his presence in that light bulb. If he, if he chooses to, he's not without means of communication and delivering. 
And then, so the Lord came and then there was a, a demonstration, probably most likely through an angel to, to do that on the, on the, the tree. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, it did that. And then, then they turned the ground before the tree into the, the holy place. They turned it into where? Into the holy place. And said that you are now standing in the holy place. Right? That, gra- that ground, as right now, where you are standing is the holy place. And your feet is not really qualified. You don't, don't stand with your sandals. I mean, the sandals, that is symbolic. Sandals represent your doctrine. Praise God. It means that Moses, your doctrine does not align with the holy place. So if you want to stand here, remove your shoes. Your shoes are not qualified. Glory to Jesus. You know, you say how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them. And then they, they relate that thing called sandals. Right to the, or the feet, having your feet shod, right, with the preparation of the word, the gospel of peace. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, that glory to God. So, that sandals, right, when you say the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace is the right shoe that anybody who should stand in the holy place should be wearing to stand. When you say you've come into standing in holy places because you have, you have your, sh- your feet has been shod. This is not a preacher. Do you understand? When you see everything about the armor is not about ministry. Ephesians chapter 6, when they are speaking of the armor, helmet of salvation is not to one minister or breastplate. It's not, it's not about ministry. When they say, having the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it's not a word to go and preach. Neither is this feat. The gospel of peace here is not about going to preach the gospel. That word gospel means message. Message means tithing. Tithing means doctrine, right? That was talking about your feet. Where you are standing on is the doctrine of peace. So that's what makes you, you, everyone who wears the armor of God is standing on the doctrine of peace. We know that peace is, is the crest of the foundation of God, right? Which is Christ. It's the crest that Christ gives to a soul. Is the foundation, is where, so anyone who has the armor of God must be standing upon the foundation of the, 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 the foundation of peace. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so it, they just demonstrated something like that to Moses. The, the place you are standing right now is the, it's called holy ground. Do you see that? So what is holy ground? Can you tell me what is the meaning of holy ground? Holy ground means Christ. Right? Do you agree with me based on your spiritual understanding of the scripture? When you say holy ground means Christ. Holy ground is the ground that God builds on. Or is the ground where you, 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 you situate the most holy upon. Is the ground upon which you build the tabernacle of God or the house of God. Right? Glory to Jesus. He said, draw not nigh hither. Don't come. You can't come. Don't move beyond that place. It was a demonstration to Moses. Praise God. Are you seeing that? So, so it's clear. At this point, at this time, Moses' school has not completed. Do you know that? Don't believe me? 
Do you know Moses was still in school? The whole time while he was journeying with them in the wilderness, he was in his own school while he was leading Israelite. The only thing was that they were raising him to the point where he had gained the, the credentials to handle something called Egypt in the spirit. But it's clear, Egypt is not the highest thing. There are other entities ahead. In fact, when Moses was getting near, Moses fell. Do you understand what I mean? In the, in the, in, in the, in the plot of the scripture, now, there's a way they, they wrote the plot of the scripture in that, in that way. It's for the purpose of understanding. Praise Jesus. But it was, so it's clear that when they check Moses' stature in the spirit, they say that your standing now is holy ground. And holy ground standing is enough to deal with Egypt. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do, you, do you agree? Yes, sir. But don't come here. Do you see them? He said, do not what? Do, do not come hither. He, he said, draw nigh, not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where, whereon thou standest is what? Holy ground. Let's see, let's go to the verses before, just if you can quickly go from verse one. Um, let me quickly open my own Bible. Exodus chapter three. Amen. Amen. It says, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him inward in a flame of fire, out of the what? The midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with what? Fire, right? And the bush was not what? Consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why is the bush not consumed? And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, and God called him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where thou art, thou standest, is where is holy ground. Glory to Jesus. And then he said, moreover, he then said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and then the what? The God of Jacob. And then Moses did what? Heed his face, for he was afraid to do what? To look upon. Now, if... If God had raised Moses to this status, he would have said, I'm the God of Jacob, and I'm also your God, and we know each other. Because, but no, Moses has not really dealt with this being directly before. Do you see? So from this point, it's very clear that between this point and the time when God said, I speak to Moses as a friend, face to face as a friend or speak with his friends, means something has happened between this time and that time. 
Here, Moses was afraid to look upon him. He, hasn't, he has never encountered this kind of thing before. He hasn't encountered this being, and, he, and God was enumerating to him the people who I am a God of. I'm a God of Abraham. Abraham has seen this man, this being, as related with him. Isaac did. Jacob did. Praise God. But Moses still did what? Had to hide his face because he was still afraid to look upon, upon God. But nevertheless, God still had a job for him to do. And at the, the place where he, he, he was at that time, he, could see how he had already developed the stature to deal with, with Egypt at this point. Praise God. So you're seeing the difference between face. When it comes to face ministry, you can say that the, the training of Moses from this point, that's when Moses began to begin the training of the face of God. So when I first fast forward this to the mountain, that place we, we opened for, when as a boy Moses now began to say, okay, this face that I, I've been afraid of, this face, but now you are walking with you, you've dealt, you've been doing, you've taken me through a course where I can have the courage, courage to see the face. Do you see that? Now, he said, verse, Exodus 33, verse 18 to 21, he said, he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. So that's the first, the name of the Lord. You see that? Then, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, so I must be gracious to you. I must show mercy to you. So you must have the name of the Lord right, then you must receive grace, and then you must receive what? Mercy. Then he says, thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. So what he was trying to tell me is the reason why all these things must occur to you is because no man can see my face. Praise God. And then he said, thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon the rock. So, you must first of all find the place by me. Then, thou shalt, in that place which is by me, there is a rock there upon which you must stand. You must stand upon now. How is that? How do you locate the rock? where you stand, is through the proclamation of the name of the Lord. Right, that, uh, this rock, there are many ways you can see the rock through the Bible, is the rock, is the, rock the, the rock is also a, a tower, it's also a strong tower, right, it's also a foundation. This is the foundation stone, glory to Jesus. It's also an instance of the holy ground upon which you must stand. Do you see that? Praise Jesus. So I said, thou shalt stand upon the rock, verse then verse 22, and it shall come to pass that while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I do what? Pass by, verse 23, and I will, I will take away mine hand, 
and then thou shalt see my word by my back parts. But what? My face shall not be seen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And then, glory to God. And the Lord said unto Moses, now began to speak about the tabernacles and all of that. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. So the main point I want to draw here is the difference between the face. You see, God guarding. So imagine God saying this, that you will, God began to speak to him about the foundation, the preparation, right? So before you can see my face, you must find that the, the rock, you must find the cliff, you must find all of those things, and then you must then receive grace, and you must receive mercy. All those things must happen before you are able to see my face. Now imagine this being who has already brought Egypt. Now how did he bring Israel out of the land of Egypt? It was not with his face. God didn't, Egypt, <laughs> it wasn't through the face. It's with the arm. He said with a strong arm. You see that? It was a strong arm. Egypt didn't need God's face. Do you get what I'm saying? Egypt did not what? Egypt did not need, did not need God's face. He just needed the arm. Praise Jesus. He just needed the what? The arm. Now, do you know that there is, um, see then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand, right, hand, shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them. So, so Pharaoh himself was using hand, right. Pharaoh was also a, a, a kind of hand man. Do you know that? But God has to deal with all the hand of Pharaoh until God now, God wanted to push Pharaoh and make, make Pharaoh to do what to. You know, Pharaoh kept denying. He didn't do anything until God, what God wanted to do was to make Pharaoh stand up from his throne. Right. Pharaoh did everything. After a while, he brought magicians. So what God wanted to Pharaoh, because Pharaoh was a, you can term Pharaoh had received an anointing from the, de the devil. What kind of anointing? To be a god of the world. Or a, a worldly type of God, of course, a fake God. Then God now say, "Okay, you can have me. I will make. I will create my own God too, and I will make Moses a God unto you, Pharaoh." Do you see that? I will also make him what? I will make him a type of a type of a God to you, Amen. And it was God through. Moses, and the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and then Aaron thy brother shall be what? Shall be thy what? Thy prophet. Glory to Jesus. So God sent him to Egypt to deliver the people out of, out of the hand of Pharaoh. 
But this type of God here is, when they use this lowercase g, is, is talking about, for example, when you say you call Satan, Lucifer, the God of this world, lowercase g, of course, the God of this world is not who he is. If you remove the world, it's a type of a God. Two, or it's like, or he was a type of Elohim. Lucifer was a type of Elohim. That nothing to do with world, just in himself. It's kind of being. Uh, that word means it was a face creature. Yes. He was a what? He was a face. He was a face creature. A face creature is different. Satan, the devil, when you are to, when he will begin to use his face to, to construct a thing, is different from this world. This world is not the product of the face of Satan. Right? It's just he too has a hand that can make things. That's what the world is. And this is what we are still struggling with. We have not seen. The first, the first appearance of the Satan's face will be a man. It's called the man of sin, the Antichrist. That one, the devil, the dragon, will, will have given him his seat, his power, his authority, right? All of his, everything about him. He will construct that being called the Antichrist with his own face. That will be, that will be the first face man of darkness. That's why he will be formidable. He's not like Pharaoh. <laughs> Pharaoh is a local, is a local kind of. Pharaoh can't even stand Nebuchadnezzar. Do you get what I'm saying? There are different. Um, praise God. So the type of God that God made Moses to Pharaoh, right, was a God of his hand. That is the, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And the sign of that was in his rod, was using his, his rod. Everything that he was doing in Egypt was from his rod. It wasn't, Moses wasn't using understanding to deal with Egypt. He didn't employ face materials. If God wanted to, because it wasn't necessary. You don't need face material to deal with Egypt. You just needed the rod. So that type, the type of God that Moses was, was to Pharaoh was, it was, not, was lower than what God really wanted to make him. Do you see that? It was just, it's, it's acts. It was a God of acts. Aha. Uh-huh. That's one thing you must know about God. Like when you say, ah, I pray to God, God met my needs. Yes, he met your needs. Who met your needs? He's God. He's a, a kind of a manifestation of God. There's a way God can manifest as the mighty man who fights your enemies, who all of those things we know as God. He's still God. He has a type of, of himself that manifests in that way. You get what I'm saying? So, so there is what you call the hand of God. Is God. 
there is a face of God, which is God. So God, God can make a God with his hand. And God can make a God with his face. The Moses that went to Egypt was a type of God that was constructed with the hand of God. God really said this. Me sending you to Egypt is my hand that's going. It's, my, it's with a strong hand I'm going to go into Egypt. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Amen. Amen. But hand warfare is different from face warfare. Do you understand what I say? What did I say? Hand warfare is different from face warfare. Then, then, then there's a point where you, you need more than just the hand. You need the what? The, you need the face. So as soon as they came out of Egypt, they were going in the wilderness, God has to quickly begin to introduce face ministry. He has to, he has to quickly do it because he knows the kind of enemies who they are going to meet ahead. It's not, you can't do miracle to overcome that kind. Do you get what I'm saying? Rod parted the Red Sea. Rod cannot part Jordan. You need glory to part Jordan. You need glory, you need glory, you need priesthood, you need the ark, you need, those are, those are everything about that part of Jordan where face provisions. Right, provisions of what is a ministry of the face of God that made Jordan to pass, that, that moved Israel into the land of their inheritance. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. When ba- Pharaoh, for example, Pharaoh is a small boy, even though you say I was ruling the world at that time, it's true ruin the world, everything, but he's a, he's a kid compared to p- people like Balaam, right? Balaam, you won't see him with many things. Only God knows. Maybe who, if, when you go to his house, you might not see too much there, but Balaam was deadly. Balaam can alter a whole nation. He can, yes. Yes. Because he was a prophet. He was, he was a kind of a prophet priest who was raised by the face of God with he has, he has understanding, he has insight concerning God. He's the one who said, God is not a man that he should what, lie, nor the son of man that he should, what, he should repent. He, had, he knew those, the things, the, pre, the precepts concerning the divine nature. Balaam knew all those things. Now for, for Balak to have, and Balak, who is Balak? He's a king. For Balak to go and look for Balaam to come and deal with this. Say that we found this strange nation in the wilderness who are destroying everybody. How can we deal with them? He had to go and look for the prophet to come. Now, for him to go and call Balaam, if Balaam must have a track record. Do you get? It's just that maybe they didn't, they didn't write what Balaam has done. You understand? They didn't write what Balaam has done in the Bible, but who knows what that guy has done? Who knows how many nations he has ended by just, from just his simple point on the mountain? Uh, Do you see that? Say face. When God raises people of his face, 
they move, you move into a place of operation that is beyond the brutal strength of, of natural, of, of everything that the hand, that came from God's hand comes under because of a, because of a more superior, a, 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 a better frame, a better stature. As a matter of fact, everyone who operates by the face of God is from another world. It's actually so. When you're bringing God's face to bear, you're bringing another realm entirely to bear. Do you know that the, sanctuary, the court is a different world from the sanctuary? The sanctuary is a different world from the most holy. They're actually different worlds. And those worlds are framed by different worlds. Like if you go into the first heaven, the first heaven might be bigger than everything we know about our world put together. Right, the, the first heaven, praise God, is a world of his own. Is a world. Angels from that world, when they see seraphims, they can call them aliens from another world. Because what separates them is a, is a giant veil that doesn't, you can't cross the veil to go. It's like, think about it the veil that separates the earth from heaven, or from, let's say from the first heaven. You can't tear the veil. We don't have physical instrument that can fly and that can cross that dimension. Do you get you can't you can't just draw the curtain of the present this heaven and then open into the we don't know how to do it. There is a way. <laughs> Amen. They must remove the veil. One veil that must that they they must remove is the veil you are wearing. Your flesh is a kind of veil. If, if your spirit and your soul can't pass out of this veil, you cannot break into heaven. And what the veil of your flesh is not just your flesh you're wearing. Your flesh is connected to everything in this world. So the same limitation your flesh gives to you, the same limitation the cosmos, the physical cosmos gives to you is a, is a strong, you can't break you can't even think outside of it. You can't you can think, uh, glory to God. You understand what I mean? Praise Jesus. So, so walls, are, walls are framed by who? By the word of God. So, so therefore, God is a, one thing we must know about God, God is a master of secrets. Right? He's, a, he's a master of what? If you have one of the great wisdom of God is, God has the wisdom of secrets. Right, in our secret means it comes from the word secret. It's not in the fancy sense. It's more of secret means to to secure. It's like where the word security comes from. To secure it, you must keep it secret. Right, security is is about the power of secret that you secure. Like this nation, like every every developed nation, their power is their secrets. Right. You might think that their power are their nuclear, and all, but it's not really that. It's more of their secrets. Those nuclear things they have, 
The reason why is powerful because not everybody has it. If they bring out the secret of how to make their nuclear weapon, then they've lost the power because everybody can take it. The technologies they have is their secret. What makes a nation powerful are their secrets. Amen. We think of the, the, the greatest field, medicine, engineering, lawyer, lawyers or law. What, uh, what separates each field from the others are the secrets which they keep. When a lawyer comes, he has secrets that he has, which you don't know. So you have to go and pay a lot of money and bring the man to sit down beside you in the court. You understand what I mean? So that when they ask you questions, you... <laughs> You understand what I mean? He, so he, he can talk in the, there's a secret the judge has that he also has. All the learned fellows. So the jury who are laymen, yourself, not you, but you know, let's <laughs> assume somebody who is accused of something, and, the, and the, those who are, who are the onlookers, audience, they are all laymen. They are in the same courtroom, but they are different walls in the courtroom. And the gulf between those walls is vast, is mighty. So they just talk in their own language. They talk, objection, this on that one. They know what they are saying. They are doing not. Like, you get what I'm trying to say? Is a is a is a world is a realm or a world of secrets. Praise Jesus. So every profession has a secret, All right? So when you look at the veils of the tabernacle. Is, is the, those veils are designed to, to, to calibrate and to keep and define realms of secret things. Right? It's to keep. When, you see, when you're coming from the court, you see a veil. The veil is a keeper of the secret of holiness. The secret of sanctification. The priest can come outside... But he will not. He, don't, he won't bring his secret. You just look at him. Wow, what a holy man! You check his operation, flawless. How he deals with things. What, what a beautiful thing! But he left the secret inside. Same thing with the, with the most holy realm. The high priest will go in there, do everything, and come. Then he'll come out. Then you look at him, glory around him, everything. But are you get what I'm trying to say? Praise God. So God, I'm just trying to show you the nature of God. We must come to terms with this. That God is a what is a master of what secret. I said, let me tell you something. The concept of life is predicated on secrets. Do you understand me? The, the, when you, every time you see life being demonstrated, every life fountains from secret codes that are not visible and not apparent. Even in the natural, we, want, we, we know in biological sciences, zoology and all of that, we just know that animals behave differently from each other. Right? But we can't tell why. To know why, we have to go into studying of different kind of animals, look into their genetic makeup, look, at, look into their physiology, look into the anatomy, you have to open them up and study them to check why does a giraffe behave this in this way. You have to go into the secret of the animal. 
do you see that? It's, if you can't break into the secret of the animal, you can't understand their life. You see that? So God is a designer for you to, to, for you to keep life. Right, you must, every life that should continue must be kept a secret. So every living thing manifests a secret of their life. Do you agree with that? Every living thing manifests what? A secret. So if you say, okay, um, if, you, if you want to advance or to in- graduate in life, you cannot graduate in life without graduating in secret things. You cannot reject secret things and, rec- and have a graduation. You can't say, I'm living this way now. I want to live a higher life. There's no other way. You must be willing to ha- come into higher secrets. Right? You must be willing to take what it, do what it takes to what? to come into higher secret is called exploration, right? To explore secreting, what the Bible call it, exploit. You must be strong to do exploit. You must be strong to do exploit means to explore what the secret things of God, the secret of the Lord are with them that fear him. And then he will do or show them this covenant. You see that? He will show them his word. It's covenant. It's clear God's covenant are secrets, right? The covenant means the, the law behind the life. Or you can call it the agreement behind the life. The writing behind the life, which has been agreed to. Glory to Jesus. The secret things belong to the Lord, but those things are revealed. Amen. Glory to Jesus. He said the secrets of the Lord of God are with them that fear him. With them that fear him. Glory to Jesus, and he will show them his covenant. He will show them his covenant. That's Psalm 25. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and then he will show them his what? His covenant. So it's clear the covenant is, is, more, is more secret things. Right? The covenant here is the covenant which the secrets of the Lord will allow the soul to come into. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So it's very clear now, based on what I've explained to you, that what the face is a keeper of secrets. Hmm? The man, the face is what? The hand does not keep secret. You can't put your secret in what your hand is doing. It's too easily visible. Right? Your hand, you can't hide your things in what your hand is doing. You hide your things, things are hidden on the inside. And the doorway to the inside is the face. To, to what is within is in the face. So you can't know God's secret by watching things that he's doing. 
That's where we make mistakes as Christians. Wow, God showed up. Yeah, he showed up. But that's not the end of the story. God moved. Yeah, he moved. Mighty move of God. Yeah, move of God. And it was mighty. But you can have all those things. God can do all those things and be hiding his secret. Do you see that? Do you understand that? So there's a way Christianity must now begin to fall in another way and begin to think of something, another side of God. Ah, I mean God can be doing all these things and then all this time and he hasn't even, we've not touched the, the real thing. If you can be like that, how much more God? Are, are you more sophisticated than him? God is the, every sophistication you have, God created it. The idea of being sophisticated is God's idea. You understand what I mean? The, the idea of hiding things. I know every man hides things. You have your own things you're hiding. You have your own, you have your own. Every one of us, as our faces are different, we have our own things we are all hiding. Praise Jesus. We can't see it on your shirt. We can't see it on how you move, how you walk, and all of that. We can't see what you are, what you are hiding from, from all of that. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We have to take this tongue off. Amen. This is a Sharon giving tongue, so. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For the things within, within, the concealed things within you. Even the concealed things is the expressions of life that you come from. For those concealed, those secrets in the depths of your soul, in the depths of your heart are the expressions of life. They are the ways, they are the ways, they are the ways of a man. They are the ways of a man. And this is what defiles. This is what defiles a man. It is a secret things. It's things. It is his things. It is his things. For that is where his treasures really lie. That is where his treasures lie. For those are the things that defile a man. For you see, for you see, the secret things of God belongs to them that fear him. So this is the route of you, of you. Fearing him is how you decide to unleash and let go of your own things and take up his things. The secret things belong to those that fear him. It is a secret that you need to become to fear for you to find access to his secret. So it is the way of unveil of access into his secret things that you may bear his life. It is the way of finding a secret. It is the route of fear. It is the route of reverence. It is the route of great fear and reverence that you would come even into the life and access the secret things of God. Amen. Praise God. Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. Glory to Jesus. 
by a what? A greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of what? This building. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified unto the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without what? Without spot to God, will he purge your conscience from dead works to what? To serve the, the living God. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. So the, the blood of Christ, now he said it's, it was offered um, through the what? Through the eternal spirit. Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without what? Spot to God. When you say through the eternal spirit. Amen. What's the meaning of this? The, when you say the eternal spirit. Now, you know, of course, eternal. You see the word eternal. You see, everlasting. All of those words are, they are, they are, they are derivations of the word truth. Do you, can you see what I'm saying? Yes. They are, they are more complex derivi- derivations of the word truth. Truth. Something can never be everlasting if it doesn't have truth component. Neither can it be eternal if it doesn't have truth. They are, they are words of the same. Thing. But the, when you say the eternal spirit, it's, all, it's the same as in the spirit of truth, but it's the eternal, the word eternal means the fullness of truth. Right. Eternal means all truth. Or you can also call it true, 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 eternal is the, the uh, eternal is the highest quality of truth. Uh, right. Eternal is the, you can call it the, ve- the version of truth with the highest, the highest qualification or or I don't know what the word is, the highest measure, or is the highest quality of salvation. It's eternal, so God is, you call him the eternal God. Is the eternal is the highest measurement of truth. All truth. So when we say the eternal spirit, the eternal spirit is 
is the spirit of truth, but is the spirit of all truth. The eternal spirit is the word, the spirit of what? All truth. The eternal spirit. Then they're saying that the when you are to, to understand the quality of the blood of Christ, right, you, you have to check who through, through what medium was that blood offered? Do you get that? Through what medium was the word? Was the blood? Or when you say when you say the through concerning blood, when you say how was the blood offered? You are saying through what instrument of ministry was that blood offered? Do you see that? Through what institution of ministry was the blood offered? You now see that to receive blood from Jesus, to, to receive the blood of Christ to God, they have to, to use technology in the eternal spirit. When God was bringing the technology of Moses to Moses, of sacrifice, all God was bringing Moses was wisdom of the kind of house through which I can receive blood of bulls and goats. So when they were making the physical tabernacle, the physical house, they were not thinking of anything more than that. They said, what kind of, we want to receive the blood of bulls and goats, the ashes of a haifa, for the purification of sanctifying, purification of the flesh. What kind of prototype would we need? So you now see that they now brought the spirit of kind of the spirit to rest upon Aholiab, all, all, all of those guys, those, all their names, right? Bezalel, all of them. He's also spirit, but the spirit was, caught, was bringing wisdom from a particular dimension. Do you understand what I mean? Which is not, it was not the dimension really of this, this truth. Do you understand me? Do you know that when you say, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, pour your conscience from dead was to serve the living God? Amen. Now, you, the, when the, you receive blood, when God is receiving blood for sacrifice, for atonement, for anything, when God is receiving blood, the, the way the altar, the ministry around the receiving of blood matters a lot. Do you get that? Do you know why it matters? Because it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. Every, every institution of ministry is a challenge. Can you fulfill this? So if, it's not just taking blood of bulls and goats and then pointing, anybody can do it. No, no. God told Moses that if they do it this way, I will be, I will, it will be an effective offering and an, an effective sacrifice if it's done a certain way and he gave the wisdom of how to do it. And it will ascend, it will arise to God.
right? The puri- purifying that they are looking for at that level will happen. So it, it means that what God was giving to us was a challenge. Can you, can you fulfill this every time you're bringing offering to me? So it's not just about let the blood has gone, no. It's about can, when the blood is arriving, is he passing through all the wisdom and all the ordinances? So you can see that all of those wisdom and all the ordinances were interwoven into the wisdom of the house, of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was raised for the receiving of blood. Right? The receiving of blood through wisdom ordinances. It has to be done a certain way, using the house by people who have a wisdom of how to do it in order for atonement and all of those things to, to be done. Does that make sense to you? So in, behind this, you now understand the idea and the concept in God behind the building of houses. Do you see that? The, is for, is, the, behind the word, behind the building of what? Of houses. And when you are thinking of building houses, you must think beyond just the outward look. You must think beyond the, the ordinances in the house. You must also think beyond the wisdom of usage. Right? Those are everything that the Lord prescribed unto Moses. So, when you speak of blood of bulls and goats, sanctifying for the purifying of the flesh, why? Because of the house with which it came through. Take that same bull, take that same goat somewhere else in your backyard and shed it. It will not, so it, it, it must, God must say, for it to have this effect, it must pass through this house. It must pass through what? It must pass through the house. So God is particular about houses, building of houses in the spirit. And so the building of houses is a, is a particular wisdom of the spirit. It's a wisdom of the word spirit. The Holy Ghost is a builder. Do you understand me? The Holy Ghost, can you do this for me? He will do it. I need anointing for this, power for this, and all of that. You, you've not touched the actual resource which the Holy Spirit is for. What is, the, what is in? Can you, can, you, can you put the Holy Ghost in a position where he feels like he's being used? Where he's being, he feels like he's being utilized? Right? He's being... Like what God has put inside of him, what they've, what they've designed for him to carry is being utilized, is being done. Amen. When they were trying to rebuild the temple of Zechariah, God kept fighting them. They thought it was people fighting. They didn't know it was God really fighting them. Why? Because they have, they, they, they've not tapped into the resource of the Spirit. They're trying to build the house of God without tapping into the resource of the Spirit. Then they kept facing opposition. That was the book of Zechariah, was a revelation. Now look, this house is not an ordinary house. It's not by power, nor by might, but it is by my spirit. Say it, the Lord. Then 
when they, through the revelation of the Spirit, now so there's a bring forth of the headstone, shall bring forth the headstone with shouting of what? Of grace, grace, grace to it. Glory to Jesus. Are you seeing that you are familiar with that whole Zachariah thing? That the point of Zachariah was just, was just proving that the, if you can solve the spirit problem, you no longer have a challenge with the building of the house. So what about thou, O great mountain, before the river bed, thou shalt become a plain, as he shall bring forth the headstone, what, thereof with shoutings and what, crying then what, grace, grace, grace to eat. Glory to Jesus. He said, upon one stone, I think that's chapter three, there shall be seven eyes, seven eyes, glory to Jesus. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, said the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of the land in what? In one day. It's very clear. Those seven eyes are talking about seven spirits of the Lord that will begin. So those eyes are eyes of building. Right? The seven eyes. Those seven spirits which they revealed in the book of Isaiah 11. Right? They They are the eyes of building. If you are building without them, you won't be, you'll be building nonsense, right? You'll just be building, building, building. You'll build one kind of structure like that. When they show you what has been built, hey, heaven will shout, who will live in this kind of thing? Please, can you take it away from here? Nobody, this is not a place. It's not useful. There's a way you can also try to build. You know, there are different kinds of building. You can build it, you copy and build it nice, it looks nice outside. But when they open the door and go inside, it's not functional. The, the furnishings are not correct. The space is not used in the right way. The, you understand what I mean? So it's beyond just the outward appearance to the details of the functionality of the house. Those are wisdom where in those eyes. And God is not um, anyhow. God, not, like I said, he won't put his house anyhow. God gave, God doesn't, of course, we know about the seven spirits of God, which are before his throne, which are also building spirits. They are, those seven spirits are the spirit for the face. When I say the seven spirits of God, they are the spirits of the horns and the eyes on the Lamb of God. Do you agree? So it's for those spirits are the eyes for another kind of building entirely. They are the eyes for the building of God or the eye which you need for the works. Those are the, those are the eyes that were absent and, and because those eyes were not shining well, the seven churches were lost in Revelation. Right? They would, they would try their best. I know that works, this, that, but I have somewhat against thee. There are still some things that are not missing. You, you, the, the, the operation of the, the eyes of the, for the, the work, right? I know your works. You've been trying, you've been working, but you have not, you've not gained the correct eyes, the right enlightenment, the right skill, the right education for how to build what you need to build. And it's clear that those seven churches were in a different season. Those, those churches were not, they were not in foundation building phase, right? The task of the seven churches was to build God's house. But God doesn't just have give eyes for building his house. God is so particular. 
he will say, to build my foundation, I also have the eyes for my foundation. Right? That, and those are the spirit of the Lord. What we call the spirit of the Lord is the kind, is a particular eye. Glory to Jesus. Comfort a rod out of the stem of Jesus, and a branch what, shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of what? The fear. And shall make him of a quick understanding where in the fear of the Lord shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, nor reprove after the hearing of his ears. Glory to Jesus. So, so those um, seven eyes, praise God, which will come are the eyes for the building of foundation, right? Of God's foundation of the house which God wants to build. So, and if the, the house is, are not built with these eyes, right, it will, not, it will not do what? Carry out the function, right, which uh, it ought to carry out. So the wisdom of building is of of you can, if you can call it house building, it's fine. Now you know that every house is a temple. That was what, that's the revelation that we, we saw from Moses and Solomon and all of that is God wants, right, as far as man is concerned, it must be, it must be a temple house. And it must be a temple house until its temple function is fulfilled. Then it will be just a house or a habitation. Do you understand that? Right? That's revelation, right? By that time, the tabernacle of God is with man. I saw no temple therein. Right? Because the God and the Lamb, they themselves are the temple thereof. Right, they are the temple. So every temple is to stand until the temples, right? The the actual temples have and manifest themselves. Right? They are able to there will be a time when you you will be a temple till they would say, Hey, stop being temple. Let us, we, uh, we are now your temple. We are the, we are the temple. So when it, when it comes to fulfilling temple, temple wisdom is more than dealing with sin. Do you understand that? Do you, do you know that everything they reveal about temple in the Bible is not fully, it's not all the things about temple. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Amen. So when God is, so every temple is a house. Every temple is a house. So when they would say, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? You see, your, your, for your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What's the meaning of that? For the spirit of God dwells in you. Know ye not that the, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19. Which is in you? which you have of God. Do you see that? 
and ye are not your what? Your own. Praise God. Now, when, when he says your body, he's speaking your body first. Start with body. Now, every temple of God must first be temple of the Holy Ghost. The, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in a temple is to make that temple become the temple of God. Nobody starts being the temple of God. Do you see that? The, the purpose of the initial, when temple ministry starts, the, the beginning of temple ministry, of course, after you get born again, right? Then the Holy Ghost comes inside of you. That's where it just begins to start to clear the, the ground, remove the weeds, all of those things, where it's just beginning to start temple ministry. The Holy Spirit will come inside you. And then before the building, you must have grown from babyhood. Before they will not say, let's start laying blocks first. The initial kind of blocks for the foundation of the temple. Praise Jesus. So, and so, so the Holy Ghost will stay. When you say, do you have the Holy Ghost inside of you? If you have the Holy Ghost inside of you, it's, for to, it's to build a temple. Do you see that? On the inside, which should become God's temple. Now, now what is the problem? The, temple, the problem with the temple, which should become the temple of God, is that the temple has all manner of things. The temple of, is joined with idols. Let's see 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6. Praise God. Amen. Amen. It says, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion had light with what darkness? And what concord had Christ with Belial? Or what part had he that believeth with an what infidel? Then what agreement had the temple of God with idols? Without so verse 16, when he now zeroed in on the temple issue, right, is that the temple of God is still having agreement with idols. For you are the word temple of the living God. So first, you are really the temple of the Holy Spirit first. But your, your goal is to become a temple of who? Of the living God. Now, who is a, a temple of the living God is a temple that, that produces, that raises service to the living God. Do you see that? It's a, 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 a temple that constantly fulfills and generates what? Service to the living God. And that's what the blood of Christ, the provision of the blood of Christ is meant to fulfill. Quickly, that chapter 9, it says that the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. And it says that how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from what? From dead works. Are you seeing that? Purge your conscience from what? 
dead works to do what? To serve the living God. So the purpose of the temple of the living God is to serve the what? To serve the living God. Praise Jesus. But for that to occur, everything he, they began to list here must occur. It must come out from among them, be separate, right? Learn not to touch the unclean thing, and they will receive you. Yes, you get what I'm saying? You become sons and daughters. He will be a father unto you. He shall be son. My sons and daughters, say the Lord Almighty. Glory to Jesus. So, and then after that, he will then be in you and he will walk in you. He will be your God, right? And then you shall be his people. When you are become his people, then you have become also your Vessel has become a temple for the word for the living God. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Glory to God. Now, the thing is to raise this kind of temple, a temple that serves Him. In a way, you're using service in in the before the eternal God will appear, what will make the eternal God emerge is that the service of the living God has been completed. Do you see that? What will make who the eternal God to what appear is that the service of the living God has been what? Has been completed. When the service of the living God has been completed by the temple of the living God, the eternal God, who is a temple, will then what? Will then come. So, this marker, why they are using living God, why they are, they are, are you seeing, they are seeing, imagine, through the eternal spirit, he made service to the living God possible. Are you seeing that? This marker of the serving of the living God is the fulfillment of temple. And the fulfillment of man as a temple will usher in the dispensation of God as a temple. Do I make any sense to you? Are you sure? <laughs> Say secret. Amen. Amen. The fulfillment of what? Man as a temple. Ushering the dispensation of who? God as a temple. God can only be one kind of temple, an eternal temple. Do you see that? But the, an, uh, an eternal temple cannot come in to replace the temple in man until his service has been fulfilled. There's a kind of, is a, so the living God is a, is a man, the Father, who says, Come, yeah, serve me. And, and when, serve me, and to serve him, he must, he must, he must undergo, go through the ministry of the spirit that 
has the eternal in mind. Uh, right? It's, it's, it's for the eternal. They will say, how can we make this man an eternally functioning entity? Do you understand what I mean? There's, now, there's difference between an everlasting or the temple of the living God and an eternal temple. They are different. The temple of the living God is still a temple that is still dealing with infirmities. Do you get what I'm saying? They are, they are different kind of temple. But the temp, an eternal temple is not for dealing of infirmities. An eternal temple is, is, is seats as a fountain of rain, raining. is a, a, a raining temple. It's a temple of raining. When the kings of the earth are coming into the city, in the, they're not coming there for their sins to be forgiven. Or they're not coming with their goats and their bulls to sacrifice. That's, that, that kind of temple does not exist. Do you get what I'm saying? What, what exists there is a, is, a temple, is a temple with a throne that's no longer collecting sacrifices or sin. It's a, it's a temple with a throne which is a seat of rain. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Which is a seat of what? So it's clear that from the pattern of Every, the way the, the tabernacle is designed, that, that the, the, the most accurate definition of an altar was the ark. But what is crowning on the ark is a seat. Right, that is what you call, where you actually sprinkle blood, right, in that tabernacle is actually a seat for the mercy seat. What kind of seat? It's actually a seat that is prepared for the glory of God where God's glory will, what, will rest. It's clear that uh, finally the eventual city or the bride, when they say in city, all those things they are describing, it's just the bride. It's the bride. That bride, what is clear, she will have a seat in her. Right? And the seat that will be in her will be a seat of glory. When, when you check that seat, you're able to go into the city, then go into the temple. Then when you check the seat on that temple, you will see that who, what is sitting on the temple is a light. is God and the Lamb. Right? The Lamb is the light thereof. And because of him being the light thereof, then the glory of God does what? Light in the city. Are you getting me? You see the same, the same thing you saw in the book of Exodus, right? When God's glory came, there was a glory within, but there was also the glory that was, that was above. That one, that one that was above is visible from outside, afar. Those, there, is, there was a dimension of God's glory over the tabernacle that you don't need to journey in to see. You see it on the inside. That one is not the Shekinah. But the Shekinah is on the inside. Only, only those who can journey into the most holy can see the Shekinah glory. So in, in the city to come, the glory of God will lighten the city. But there will be the light thereof. Which is the, the light thereof is a type of the Shekinah of the city to come. 
Are you understand what I'm trying to say? But what you have with that whole thing is no, it's not an altar of sacrifice anymore, right? Because by that time, sacrificing has finished. Let me tell you guys something. There will be a time when sacrificing would have ended. They said that we have finished the era, the time of sacrificing. Right now, when you come into that place, is a time from where rain fountains out from. So the kings of the earth, when they bring their glory into it, they are coming to, to, to take wisdom of reigning. Do you get what I'm saying? There is a wisdom of reigning for the earth. But by that time, it will, it will not be according to earthly devices. That all, every, what will qualify you to be a king of the earth will be you must be able to journey into heaven. By that time, the new earth will be a different kind of earth. It's not this type of earth where men rule with vain glory. Right? Men who have, who are, who have dealings with hell, gates of hell, are reigning on the earth. But that the new earth will be different. The new earth will have an eternal security. But the eternal security will come from tie to the new heaven. That when you see dominions on the new earth, they, they will be there because of access of pilgrimage. Are you getting me? Access of what? Pilgrimage into what? The new heaven. What are they going to? They are actually going to receive glory. So it's clear that those who are on the earth will be enjoying a type of eternal glory by extension. Do you agree with me? You know, you might not have a glory, but you are enjoying it because the person who is ruling over you knows how can go and, go and fetch glory. So when you come, earthly wisdom will be different. It will be wisdom that is coming from a higher place. Right? You know, it's very clear that one of the greatest things the earth is suffering right now is a great, is a great disconnect. That's the suffering. Why, why is the earth this way? Why is everything corrupted and dying and degenerating? It's simple. Men of the earth, who, those who have been given seat and authority of the earth, don't want to have anything to do with heaven. If you are a heavenly person, they will relegate you to a particular place. You see, your kind of life does not, mm, cannot help the earth. They put you aside. You are earthly, heavenly conscious, earthly useless. They say you are earthly useless to the earth, so we put you aside. But they don't know that what the earth needs, right? That the glories of the earth will lead the earth into destruction that the glories which are on the earth are actually corrupted glories, what we call the glories of this world, which are by which the earth is being ruled. Amen. Amen. Um, but the, in, the, in the final picture, like that's where there is a picture of alignment. That's why, do you know that even while the present earth is here, don't say, okay, because the earth is governed by the earthly people, so let's leave the earth to them. No. Why? You have no excuse because you can see the actual picture. You can see the alignment. So you don't have an excuse to say, let's just live on the earth like a normal earthly person. Because you know that you're not supposed to. We know that those who do that are those who destroy the earth. And God will destroy them. Because they are abusing the earth. 
You know, so it means that that if you are if you are on the earth and you are reigning with an earthly glory, right? You are having an illegitimate reign. God is uh, the the men who should rule the earth should be heavenly men. Actually, the kings of the earth should have a tie with heaven. They should have a tie with heaven. Glory to Jesus. That's the Lord's prayer. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how the earth should be governed, but according to the will of God. As it, the earth should be copying heaven. See, how, how are you doing God's will? See, this is how we are doing it. Ministering spirit should be coming to the earth steadily, constantly, to minister to people on the earth, bringing down the will of heaven, bringing down the desire of heaven, and the way heaven is being managed. Glory to Jesus. And then to bring it to the earth, to, to begin to reculture the earth. You know that will happen after some point. When that begins to happen, when that alignment has been seen, then that's how God will know that it's time to bring the true, the real world, because we have found such an alignment between earth and then what? And the heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. So like I said, the, the service of the, of the living God is for to, is, it, is to make the, the, the vessel ready to receive what? An eternal what? Temple. An eternal temple. So, they won't, an eternal temple will not come until they've checked and said, as this person, is he fulfilling serving the living God? So, this is actually the criteria through which they, they choose bride company. Do you see that? Do you think every Christian will be in the bride of the bride, this revelation bride? Like if you say, I'm rejecting serving the living God, do you feel somehow? You, you, if you say, I'm not rejecting Jesus, so I'm rejecting Christ, I'm still born again. But when it comes to all these temples serving the living God, it's too, it's too much for me. It's too, the, ex, the work of the exploit for it is too tedious for my soul. So I'm just going to fall below it. I'm just going to relax. And you see what I'm saying? Glory to Jesus. Now, I want to see that final picture of Revelation. It's not just God and Lamb that's there. There's God and there's Lamb. Then there is this city, which is his bride. They are not the only people there. Then they are the kings of the earth. These are not angels who bring their glory. Then there are those in the earth who they are kings of. They are all Christians, so they are not devils. They are not... <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? So if, if right now you say, I'm not willing to ascend anything. I just want to be here. Okay, pastor, go and ascend for me. Say, no problem. That's your own lot. That's your state. They say forever and ever, others will be ascending for you. Because that's, you've, not, you've not developed the nature of an ascender. And neither have you developed. You know, you must first ascend and ascend. You must, be, you must get schooled from being, being comfortable on the earth to learn the attitude of ascension then you must be willing to take the nature of pilgrimage. 
Now, there are some those who will learn the nature of, the, of pilgrimage, but never switch habitation. If you do that, you can, you can come into some degree of, what will make you a king of the earth is that you know your way to heaven. You have tie with heaven. That's actually the definition of a king of the earth. A king of the earth is a, a man who has a solid tie with heaven. If you don't have a tie with heaven, you can never be a king of the earth. You are illegitimate as a king because you won't be able to bring the, the governance, the, the, rain, the rain which the earth is meant to give. Do you get what I'm saying? All the, that was what demarcated the fathers of the earth. Abraham was the father of the earth. Adam was the father of the earth. Jacob was the father of the earth. What set them all apart was their ties with heaven. They had ties with heaven. They don't live according to the earth and pursue things on the earth. They all had ties with heaven. Heaven visits them. Heaven talks to them. One was wrestling with an angel. One saw in a vision the ladder that goes up to heaven. Are you getting what I'm saying? Talk, all of those men tie. Someone like, someone like Balaam is his, that one fell apart. But they are mountain men, all of them. They all fight in the mountain. What, what makes you a mountaineer, a, a user of the mountain, means you are higher than the earth. You transact at the hill, like you talk to heaven. The, those who go to the heavens, like Abel was a mountain man. You understand what I mean? He had tie with heaven. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That's what makes you a father. So those fathers, they will all be kings. God will never trust the earth to any, any, anyone who is of a, whole, a lower cadre. So you have many Christians who are born again who will be below Old Testament, not even Old Testament, let me say fathers. Whether Old Testament, non-Old Testament, New Modern Times, glory to Jesus, people who are able to have tie with heaven. It doesn't matter, you being born again doesn't mean you have that. You can be born again being with the most carnal fellow. You understand what I mean? That you actually have no concern about anything about beyond the heaven. They are watching, they are checking your brain. They know your brain cells, how it works. They know when you normally shut down. If when they say heaven, you shut down, they can't tell it. You know, so when they say earth, you boot up again, and then you begin to move. They know what kind of glory you like. They know when earthly glory starts dancing, you get whoa, whoa, whoa. When they shut it down, bring heavenly things. It means someone like that is a proof that if they leave the earth in your charge, you will destroy it. It will be a funny picture. You see people who, who, who were, not part, were not privileged to be part of the New Testament season will be, will be kings over Christians who were born again. Do you get what I'm saying? What is born again? Born again is just privilege. That's all it is. It's not anything more. It's born again means they give you chance. That's all. It's not an ID in the spirit. It's not, you, you go, in the same place, guys who never got born again are going to hell in heaven. Did Adam get born again? Did Abraham get born again? Jacob, are they going to hell? No, they're in heaven. The same way, they are, where they are going is where you with your born again card is going to. And you might not even near their own neighborhood. 
Do you get what I'm saying? So, we misunderstood being born again something. It's not, it's just, they gave, and you yourself, they won't, be, they won't be too merciful on you because you had a chance. Many of them were fathers of the earth. They never had an opportunity to be more than that. But you, they gave you an opportunity to become the actual habitation, to become an eternal temple. Every Christian who's born again has an opportunity to become an eternal temple. But not everyone will be that. Some will choose a lower word, a state. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So as you are, they are checking, they are checking, that's how they check. You know, when they want to promote people, they will check your heart. If you love the earth too much, they won't even call you to heaven. They won't even say, okay, can you be coming up to open portals for you to begin to have dealings with heavenly things, right? Like Jesus began to speak about heavenly stuff, right? And differentiating heavenly things and earthly things. Are you a teacher of the Jews who don't know all these things? How will you, you know, if I tell you heavenly things? Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, like I said before, so so step by step, hmm? you have to journey to a point where you must be able to fulfill the 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 duty or the task of, of the temple. Which temple? Serving of the Lord of the living God. That's the, serving the living God is a task of those who have come into everlasting life. Right? Everlasting life means the life of the fathers. The, the fathers, the, the training of the fathers is how to serve it's the service of the living God. Amen. Amen. Now, when in fulfilling the service of the living God, the, 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 the cry, there is, a, there is a yearning within. Oh, let me put it this way. The service of the living God has a reward. When God, in God's mind, God has his work and God has his reward. Right? His work is the fulfillment of serving. That. Serving him as the living God. Then, what is his reward is the replacing of your temple of service with an eternal temple. Right? In first, um, in that, um, glory to Jesus, that Hebrews chapter 9,
Hebrews 9. Amen. Amen. Through the eternal spirit, right? Okay, well, let's quickly verse 11 first. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come. You see that? He's a high priest of good things to come. by, And it's by a greater and a more perfect word, tabernacle, not made with hands. That is, not, that is to say, not of this building. Are you seeing that? Not of this building. By a greater and a more word, perfect tabernacle. When he says by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle. That by a great that tabernacle, which they say by, is how is what operates through. It's through the eternal spirit. It's through the provision of the eternal spirit. That's how he offered of himself to God, without what, without spot. Praise God to purge your conscience from dead works, to, to serve the living God. So, you, so what, how he offered it is through the kind of building which he used, which the eternal spirit constructed. That, that's the building, he says, which is to say not of this building, right? There is what he call this building. Every man has this building. Every man has what? This building. The way to, to remove this building, the eternal spirit, praise God, must bring forth a fresh work of construction. It's, it will take the eternal spirit to construct the building that can serve the living God. That spirit, why is it called the eternal spirit? It's a spirit that builds with eternal life in view. Right? It builds with eternal life. When he's building you, he's not thinking of now. He's not thinking of your problem today. It's not that he's not conscious of them. That's not what his is, is focus is. When he's building you, he's thinking of the world to come. He's thinking of the final habitation of God. You get what I'm saying? That's how he's building. He's thinking of a soul that can fulfill the work for that reward. Do you get that? It's the eternal spirit to build a soul to that place. Glory to God. I love the word building. When it says it's not of this building. Every man has a building. So if this one is not made with hands, there's an, it's, right? If this one, this one is made with hands, what we call this building, but there's another building that is not made with hands. Amen. Amen. Not made with hands, that is to say what? That is to say not of this building. If it's not made with hands, then it's not of this building. It means that this building is made with hands. Right. When they say this building sanctified for the purifying of the flesh, 
This building means flesh building, right? Or building that can deal with flesh stuff. You see that? So, there's a point, when you have, as a Christian, there's no Christian without a type of building. You have a type of building. When you are a Christian, you have your own building that is inside, that is in you. When they brought the law, the law was to preserve what man already had. The law didn't add anything to man. Do you understand that sense? The law is, God said, this man has something, this thing is going away very quickly. All the nations, they are losing their own. Can I preserve a nation and slow them down? So let's try and bring, let's take what he has and build a type of a replica that while his own is going away, he, let's move it a type outside of him that he can be coming to for a purification. So that would tell you that everything that, the, that constituted in the law provision is something that, the live, that man, the natural man has in some measure. You don't agree with me? There is nothing that's written in the law of Moses that is not inside the conscience of man. Do you, is it a lie? It's not a lie. It's not, before God ever said, thou shalt not kill man something, man, something inside man has already been telling him since, thou shalt not kill. And that's the thing that God was querying when he was adding Cain. Didn't something tell you thou shalt not kill? Yeah. Me, I know you were talking to something on the inside. I'm my brother's keeper. Yeah, you are. He's inside of you. Your, your conscience told you that you are actually his keeper. That's the, the, the law. Wow. Wow. That means the law of loving God and loving your neighbor. In summary, that's just summarizing it. My summarized it was already inside man. Sins. It's just that it was being eroded. So all the law was, was that let's try and bring it and write it on a stone. If we leave it alone in the heart of man, after some time we'll come back, there will be nothing left. So can we write it and engrave it on a stone and keep it inside the house? This type of a temple. So it's clear then that the, the temple given to Moses was a type of a temple that was already in man, which is gradually being deconstructed and eroded. That's what they call this building. That's why this chapter is speaking as if they are talking about the, the building of Moses, but they are not separating it from your building. It's your building. That's why it's sanctified for the purifying of the flesh. That was what the conscience of the only the work the conscience of man was doing before was to keep purifying his flesh. Do you get what I'm saying? When man wants to do something to damage his flesh, his conscience will tell him, don't do that. Don't do that. But man kept doing it. As he kept doing it, the years of his flesh kept reducing. From thousands in Genesis, sorry, hundreds, he kept going down now, it's like 70 or 80 or some few decades now. Right, it's, it's, it's sanctified. The conscience of man was sanctifying for, for, for what the, sanctif- what the, how do you put it? 
for the purifying of the, of the flesh, the outward man, to help the outward man, to, to put man together, to keep man still together. Do you know your flesh is for the it's type of temple? Your body is a type of temple, right? Which is the temple of the Spirit of God. So it's clear that the devil wanted to quickly just remove anything about man's. Let him take it completely over. What Satan wanted to produce is a kind of man on the earth in whom the Holy Ghost cannot stay inside. It's to prevent that. That's why God killed everybody and left um, Noah. And then God, after found ways, then Tower of Babel came and distributed man's tongue to slow him down. You understand what I mean? To degenerate. Because you must have, there's a state of where your body will get to. Holy Ghost cannot stay inside of you. The, the man, right now, there are some people that will get to a point. How you know a person has been destroyed? Someone can be walking on the earth and they are destroyed. Like the Antichrist, the man of sin. Do you agree with me? Yes, sir. The, the man of sin will be walking will be on the earth, doing things. You see him, maybe have nice face, nice beard, clean and all that. But he's destroyed. What does it mean for him to be destroyed? It means that his frame, his body, his person cannot have the Holy Spirit in him. There's something about you that makes the Holy Ghost able to stay in you. Such a person, if the Holy Ghost tries, let me say in the, the Antichrist, or stay in the Holy Antichrist, he cannot. He's thinking, even the thought he takes per second are bullets to shoot, to fight against the Spirit. He's, he has his guns pointed against anything in terms of the way he thinks. There, will be, there are some thoughts, so you don't know, you can't even take some thoughts now, and you will never take them in Jesus' name. But such a being, the thought is thinking per second. It's, a, it's murderous against the spirit of God. It cannot. So the Holy Ghost, no matter how much it try, it can't be in such a one. So such a body is no longer the temple of the Holy Spirit. Once a person gets to that level, that is second death. That's eternal destruction. It means you are eternally useless. There's no pathway again for God to gain entrance. and to gain, You get what I'm trying to say? That's what Satan wanted to do quickly, but God slowed him down. A man must never get there. So that's why he then brought the law, at least preserve the people. You understand what I mean? Glory to Jesus. Yeah. And God made it such that if we are preserving Israel, Israel will be preserving all the nations. So it wasn't just Israel. It was for the entire nations of the earth. To show that. You get what I'm saying? Gentile nations were generating at a pace which was faster than Israelites. The reason is because Israel must not, for you to bring forth Jesus, the body of man must not fall below a particular level. For you to have immaculate conception, for you to have virgin birth, for you to have a family, the man and the woman who God will raise, who Jesus will come through. They must not, their flesh must not fall below a certain kind of level. So God has to bring a whole nation, preserve them, put something inside of the lineage that will keep something for Jesus to come. But that thing is called this building. 
it cannot fulfill the service of the living God. So after a while, they will now begin to remove this building. And the, the, the ministry of the eternal spirit is for the ministry, is the, will be the raising of the true tabernacle, which God pitched and not man. That tabernacle is what God is building to you. Nobody must fall below that expectation. Do you understand what I mean? Don't, don't be weak in your, in your fellowship with the spirit. When he will be telling you things, do it this way, don't do that, stop that, listen to him. Listen to him. It's not, it's not about your brother, this, oh, I, I feel this, I don't flow with this, I don't do this, I don't like this, I don't know. It's not about that. The person who is instructing you is thinking of eternity in mind. If you know how benevolent they are taught out towards you, they are thinking of Revelation 21, 22, about you being an eternal temple. That's where those instructions of life are coming from to you. And it's not easy for them to disconstruct your building, but you must be willing to face that. In, when you move into the season of serving God, of serving the living God, you are gearing up for a great exchange, or I will call it a great putting off. It's a training for a great putting off. It's a training for a type of nakedness where you are ready to receive an eternal building or eternal habitation. That's what they spoke about in 2 Corinthians. As we close, we can just close here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's see. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 1. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It says, For we know that if our earthly house of what? of this tabernacle were dissolved, that we have a building of what? Of God, a house not made with hands, that is, that is not made with hands, comma. There is one that's not made with hands, but it's not eternal. You see that, but there is a one that is eternal in the heavens. Is not made with hands. That's not all. We, right? They spoke about that one. That's not, not made with hands, but not eternal. In Hebrews. I we just read. Right? That's where the service of the living God will occur. But this one is another one. That this one is eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan. That was the one they say in this. This means in this present one. So this is, when they say groaning, is an attitude of the spirit. A groaning is something you must do. In, if you haven't received your eternal temple, this is, there's a groaning that must occur. The, the groaning is an attitude of the creature who is still in the bondage of corruption. 
Or that is, you see that, that's a level, which is, it's a groaning, it's, a, it's, it's talking about a discomfort, an attitude of discomfort of your, of your current building. See, for we know that the whole creation groaned and travailed in pain together until now. But not only they, it's talking of all the creation, but not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruit. So you see, creation is the first one. They now see, then ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Praise God. Quickly, next verse. What does the next verse say? 24. Amen. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is sin is not hope. For what man seeth, what a man seeth, why does he what hope for? This is a, they are now telling you the attitude of groaning. Amen. Praise God. For we are saved by hope, but, but hope that his sin is not hope. For what a man said, why does he yet hope for? For if we hope for what we see not, then we with patience wait for it. Then likewise the Spirit also helpeth what our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit maketh itself. I love that. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings. Which, so this groaning is, is you know, they, they said you, you groan. We will also groan. But your groaning is different from the groanings of the Spirit. That's why you need that intercessory ministry. Glory to Jesus. Make an intercession for us with groanings which cannot be altered. And he that searcheth the heart, then he knoweth what. So when you have the spirit in you groaning, someone will come and search, search the heart. Right? And he knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. What is the spirit groaning about? Someone, someone can interpret the groanings of the spirit within you. And say that because he maketh intercession for the word sent according to the secret will of God. And we know that then all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called. Then I began to speak whom he didn't foreknow. He then predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he doth what? He doth glorified. What shall we say to this thing? If God be for us, who can be against us? Glory to God. Yes, you can read the rest if you want, but you're, you're, you're getting the sense of I'm just trying to show to you what is the holy ministry of the Spirit in you. When you, are, when you are begin, a sign that you are beginning to be, receive the ministry of the Spirit of, the, of truth is with, will manifest in your dissatisfaction with corruptible things. And the first corruptible thing you'll be dissatisfied with is not things outside there, it's your building. Your building. When you, when you check can this building serve the living God? You say no, you should be, there should be a dissatisfaction about your building. That's why when they are preaching truth to you, giving you truth, it's, those are, truth are evidences. 
materials that should, that should shake you and make you shift. Their truth are actually, when truth is being ministered in terms of precepts to you, they are items of hope for groaning. Right? They are, they are painting a hope to you. Can you groan for this hope? Can you look for this hope on the, on the inside of yourself? They call it that blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our, of our Savior, Titus. Amen. God and Savior Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and what? And our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. So this building will have to occur and the Lord will help us and um, give us as we are yielding to the ministry of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. We give uh, a chance to the Lord to build his building in us. Let's begin to just pray. And
Fulfilling his mandate from you upon the earth, upon and within us too, to build a house that's worthy of you too, that will fulfill within our own vessel, not only outside, but within us, that will fulfill the service, the service of the Father, the will of God, that will be clothed with even our habitation, Lord. I pray that the Spirit will lead us, lead us, lead us in the path of righteousness, that He will cause us to break ties and covenants with that which is corruptible, that which falls below the standard of your divine service. Thank you, our Father, for you begin to create attitudes of groaning, of dissatisfaction. We pray, let dissatisfaction, let us receive it as a blessing but as a possession when our soul not never to stay satisfied in this carnal corruptible frame but father lord to look for and to yearn earnestly father for our habitation which is from heaven which is a building not of this tabernacle not made with hands but which is eternal in the heavens thank you our father we give all the praise and all the honor to your holy name in jesus name we pray amen, amen. hallelujah